Hi everyone, welcome to Perfect Timing Podcast. My name is Sydney Chandler Monet and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have Joshua Pierce, who is one of the youngest Black men who have been able to accumulate the most innovative partnerships with Fortune 500 in order to increase diversity inclusion throughout his global nonprofit, the Diversity Org. And we can get into that and what that's all about in just a moment, but welcome to the show, Joshua. Thank you for having me. It's, it's an honor and a privilege. And I'm really excited about the podcast. Me as well. This has been a bit a, a bit in the making. You know, we've been in contact with your publicist and things like that. So I'm excited to have you on finally today. <laughs> Let's make it happen. It's about to be lit. So uh, let's go back a little bit. So back in high school, you experienced some early academic struggles. Uh, I heard you maintained a 1.7 GPA throughout high school, but ultimately achieving a 3.5 in community college. So what was the motivation that kind of changed your trajectory? You know, to completely be honest, um, when I was in school, like even high school, middle school, I was just very extroverted. And I wanted to be able to just like talk, engage, do things that were exciting. And at the time, I didn't recognize really the value of school. Although my mom was an educator, my mom was an incredible educator, if not the best educator that I've ever seen. But I just couldn't, like, although I understood the techniques of how to be able to do well academically, I just wasn't interested. I wasn't invested in it. I didn't see how it could, you know, make me feel fulfilled personally. So, you know, my mom always motivated me, but really what happened is like in high school, towards like the middle of high school, junior year, I realized like, whoa, I looked around and I said, if I want to be someone who's actually really, really successful, like the artists and the influencers that we see in the world, I'm going to have to make a change. If I'm walking and acting and behaving like everyone else who's normal, my destiny is going to be normal. So I realized I need to make a change. There's a lot of people in my life who influenced me, like my barber's name is Ryan. He, says, he said to me when I got a haircut, he said, Josh, you are the, the path that you're going down right now, with people you're hanging around, you're going to be in front of 7-Eleven asking people for a dollar one day. That's what he told me. And I was like, you know what? I need to change. If my own barber, I came here for a haircut. If my own barber is telling me that I need to make a change, I need to make a change. So I made a change. I ended up getting a job at BET. My aunt worked at BET. Um, when I graduated high school, she said, would you like to get a job? I said, of course. Got a job at BET. I realized the significance of like taking life seriously. My mom says, Joshua, look, it's good. You're making good money. You're traveling around the country. You're working with artists like ASAP Rocky. You're doing your thing. But look, you're a black male in the United States. So only so far you can go without a real education. You should try it. You should, you should try it out. So I went mm -hmm. to community college. It's the only thing I can get into is such a low GPA. Got my GPA up to a 3.5. And then I ended up getting into NYU, uh, graduated from NYU, and you know, built the diversity organization at community college through NYU. And then now we're working with the biggest companies on the planet. Wow. And I didn't want to take time to read your entire bio because I knew we would go through this and like get into how many organizations exactly you're partnered with. Because once I read it, like my jaw was on the floor. I was like, okay, so he's out there. <laughs> so um, I think that is so successful. And you know that you're able to bring yourself out of that. And you know, um, me who is really passionate about education myself and, you know, wanting to attend, you know, uh, big schools out there or, you know, just put myself in a situation where I know that this is where I want to learn and like this is where I want to grow and things like that so I'm really glad that you're able to like you know pull yourself out of there and what I'm curious like 
what do you say to those people who don't have those kind of role models in their lives? Like for you, it was probably your barber or anywhere else in your life that was like, you got to change it up. So what do you say to those people that don't have something like that, but want to get out of the situation that they're in? That's such a great question. That's such a great question. So what I think is going to be a solution for a lot of people is like you said, they're going to need some kind of mentor, some kind of person who can be a positive light in their life. And how we describe it at the diversity organization is there are horizontal relationships and there are vertical relationships. So what do we mean by that, right? When you go on like YouTube and you're watching a full screen video or Netflix is horizontal. When you're on TikTok or Instagram, you're scrolling vertical, right? So a vertical relationship is someone who has more power than you. So it could be if you're in high school or college, it could be your teacher, your professor, your dean, whatever it is. A horizontal relationship is like your classmates, like people who are your age. So most people who are in high school, college, they spend most of their time building their horizontal relationships. It's the biggest mistake most young people make is they spend all their time in clubs and classes and chilling with their friends and not realizing the most important people on those campuses are your professors, are your teachers, are your deans, because they're not competing with you. They are, they've already arrived. Those are people who can open up your perspective and put you on jobs and put you on internships to really help to cultivate your career. So what I would suggest is if you're someone who's young, definitely leverage your teachers, your professors as much as possible to be able to open up doors because they're not competing with you and their job is to help you succeed. But also, if you don't have that access and you want to connect to big companies, you can connect with the diversity organization. One of the things that I realized about our organization was this, is that you know, um, I, like I said in the beginning of the story, I had an aunt who put me on BET and that changed my perspective and took life seriously. But what about those students or those young people who don't have an aunt who works at BET? So that's where the diversity organization comes in and those students can for free get into our program and participate in events with Nickelodeon, with BET, mm -hmm. with Peloton, with Salesforce, with Blackstone, JP Morgan Chase, Verizon, AT&T, and so forth. And they can be able to meet employees from the biggest companies on the planet and get connections so that they can be able to have those mentors too. I love that. That's the route that you wanted to take with the diversity organization. And, you know, that's a really good seamless uh, move into talking about what the diversity organization is like, what's your mission? How did you get started? And uh, where you know that you're trying to get these kids into like a higher standpoint and like changing their mindsets and things like that. So how did you start the diversity organization? So um, how we got started, to be completely honest, um, do you want me to give it to you straight or do you want the, the condensed Please. version? Which one do you want? Give it to me straight. We got time. Okay. <laughs> so if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it the right way. Then. All right, so, so um, this is what happened. I'm gonna be honest with you. I was in community college. Like I said, I had my GPA. It was pretty good, and I knew I wanted to get to NYU because I knew, like, hey, I wanted to be the Big Apple. I wanted to be able to network. I wanted to do something where I can connect. It was really music at the time. I wanted to work with cinematographers, directors, animators. I knew New York had it all, and I knew that NYU was one of those schools that had a lot of diversity, not only ethnically, but also as far as like industry. Like I knew that that was a school that had that, but I was not that good at math, <laughs> I'll be honest. Mm -hmm. So I met with the chairperson of the math department and I say, hey, you know, I'm trying to get into NYU, my GPA is this, and I don't want this math class to kind of mess me up. What can I do to be able to put myself in a position to win? I actually went there with my mom that day too. I was just, I don't know why my mom was there, but I went to my <laughs> chairperson. So she says to me, she's like, hey, would you like to be the president of the Black Student Union? And I'm like, 
Black Student Union. I'm here about okay, math. Yes, yes. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm here about math. But I'm like, you know what? Hmm. Let me think about it. Let me pray about it. And I'm going to come back to you with a definitive response. I need to just kind of think about that one before. I can't hear from math, but let me, let, me, let me think about that. So I go back two days later, pray about it, think about it. I say, what about a diversity organization? I want something where people of all races can come together and move society forward for all races. So can we do something like that? She says, all right, but you got to start it. There's nobody else in it with you. So go ahead and start it. So I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have known there was nobody else with me. But I was like, all right, you know, I committed to it. I'm going to just do it. So yeah, that's exactly how it started. So I started diversity organization, started with just me. It grew to over 700 people in one school year. So we were like, whoa, this is big in this one school. And mind you, all the student clubs that school may have had 20, 30 people in their student club, we had 700. We're like, okay, this is big. So we brought it to another school and it worked just as well at that school. And then now we're just like popping up all over the country and we're all, you know, and it's just been expanding. So that's, it, the business model was different at the time, but now, you know, it, it's remained the same as far as like what the, the backbone is of it is. It's to be able to push for equality and it's young people who are millennials and Gen Z that want to make a difference in the world. So that's kind of like how it started. First, I want to commend you for like you taking the initiative to do that and taking it upon yourself to say like, hey, this is something that I think I can see on campus. And within a year, you acclaimed 700 people, which is not many people can say, you know, when they start their own clubs or business or something like that. So why don't you go into what is what it is that you do or teach your students? And I know that like what's great to talk to you is because like obviously you recognize the value of starting something and like leading something like right now you're leading on a podcast like you know and this is incredible just to see you winning like this uh the reason i want to like really shout it out in the middle of this interview is because like so many podcasts you'll see they have to have multiple personalities to carry the show you're of course you have your producers you have your team but you're able to carry your show yourself so i want to give kudos to you while we're here give you your flowers but thank um, you (laughs) but yes um now, so what we do, uh, what the diversity organization does right now is we teach low income and students of color, we teach them about how to obtain corporate and high income careers. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do this is because statistically, low income students, they don't, um, they don't go into high paying college majors, which leads to them to a cycle of economic disparity because they're not conscious of all the plethora of opportunity that's out there. So we literally have workshops where we bring the biggest companies on the planet to teach low-income and minority students about careers they never knew existed. And they teach them through these workshops, but also students are able to get connections so that they actually can write those emails and get those internships, so on and so forth. And we help these large companies also get diverse and qualified talent, interns, entry-level employment, so on and so forth. So we're literally creating systematic ways to increase diversity in the workplace so that we can see the next generation have more economic diversity as far as everyone having a chance at being successful. Wow. That is, again, super impressive with what it is that you're doing and how you're bringing people into that and bringing in these amazing corporate organizations to help them see that. And, you know, bringing out that diversity and exposing these people to things like that. And, you know, I didn't know you could do podcasting as a career like over a year ago. This is my mom's idea. (laughs) She was like, Sydney, you, uh, once COVID started and all that, she was like, Sydney, you haven't been able to do something to outreach to the community. You know, I did have my own uh, book club and things like that, but you know, because of COVID, I had to stop all that. And so she was like, 
why don't you start a podcast? And I was like, what on earth? Why? <laughs> and little did I know, this is like the best thing I ever could have done. And I'm so inspired by the work that I've done because I've been able to meet people like you and expose my listeners to the things that you are doing with them. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for that. And, you know, everything you're doing with the diverse new organization, I think is so inspiring. And I'm so blessed that you're able to come on and share that information. For sure. Can I ask you one question? Go for it. Yeah. So I just want to know for you, like, there's not a huge, uh, like, representation of women of color in the podcasting game. So did that, like, not motivate you? Or did you feel like, hey, I'm going to, like, step up and, like, be that representation? Like, for you, like, what was it, like, that made you feel like, I can do this and I'm going to keep doing it? And you're doing it successfully. So I just want to know, like, your perspective on how you've been able to navigate that. Wow. I've never been asked that before. So thank you for that. Uh, Good question. Um, You know, I think it's a bit of both. And, you know, it took a lot of confidence in myself and a lot of like being more self-assured about it. And just like, instead of tiptoeing around, like, should I do this? Is there, is this something that I should actually go for? And there's been a million moments where I was just like, I don't think this would work. And, you know, I could have just stopped it. And I'm glad that I didn't, because again, look where it's brought me. I've been a part of so many things and like, or a part of organizations that have made me nothing but better than I was yesterday. And, you know, that's what inspires me to keep going and knowing that whatever happens today, tomorrow, I can do it 10 times better because I always want to learn from my mistakes and things like that. And yeah, I think I wanted to be the representation as well. And, you know, I talk about leadership a lot and about how we need to be the example for our younger generation. And so, you know, I wanted to be the black girl with the podcast that other young girls can see themselves in also. I think. <laughs> that was great. Yes. No, no, that's, that, that, that's so important. Just, I, I don't want to interrupt. Sorry. It's just like. No, it I'm is all good. good. And, you know, I really appreciate that. And uh, something that I always say before I go into this break is that never fear failure, but be terrified of regret. I live by that quote every day. And, you know regretting that if I didn't keep going with this and you know instead of being like there's going to be some bumps in the road that's what it comes with when you want to start your own business and things like that so I might as well just go for it and you know again look where it's brought me powerful powerful thank wow. you so much I might, I might have to get that one tatted. oh my goodness please do <laughs> I'll post it and be like guys look what Joshua just did But thank you so much, Joshua, for joining me this far. And we'll be right back after this break. Let's do it. When you leave your business, do you leave the door unlocked? When facing legal matters in the business world, do not leave your business unprotected. There is help when it comes to business contracting, even collecting past due receivables from clients. An experienced attorney is critical to resolving disputes. Don't do it alone. At SJS Law Firm, their mission is to partner with clients to help them achieve the business of their dreams and plans with timely and strategic legal advice. Their legal counselors and advisors committed, providing individualized service that is tailored to the unique needs of your business. SJS Law Firm provides the legal support you need to move forward with confidence. Secure the knowledge that you have a legal team watching out for your best interests. Don't leave the door open. Call SJS Law Firm serving small business owners, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits. Call 202-505-5309. That's 202-505-5309. Or find them at the sjslawfirm.com.
Hey, this is Sydney Chalolone, and I'm so excited to share with you my international podcast, Perfect Timing, that will be broadcast on Mondays at 2 p.m. through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and so much more. We will have outstanding guests that will talk about their passions, goals, and dreams. Make sure you tune in and have a seat at the table where we will create a voice for us every Monday at 2 p.m. This is Sydney Collins of Perfect Timing. Welcome back, everyone. Again, I'm here with Joshua Pierce, the amazing director of the Diversity Organization, and I'm so proud of everything that he's done so far, and we're having a great conversation on what he's bringing to the table and how he's changing the world. So you talk about, like, how to stay true to yourself and, you know, how we're able to grow up and be able to see ourselves in lights that we didn't think we'd be able to see ourselves in. So how are you able to stay true to yourself when you're leading this organization, and how do you inspire others to do the same? Wow, that's a really great question. And Cindy's coming with it. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so I, th- I just think authenticity is really, really important, but also awareness like mm-hmm. is very important too. So like- I swear we have the same mind. <laughs> <laughs> right, like, you know, you, you, you gotta be authentic to yourself because people can feel when you're being inauthentic, but you also have to be aware of the environment that you're in, right? So mm-hmm. for example, like, there's this concept that we teach students. It's this workshop, it's called Code Switch and Your Authentic Self at Work. Mm-hmm. And so, especially people who come from low-income backgrounds or people of color, we have like our own lingo, almost our own language of how we talk right. to each other, right? Yeah. But then for some communities, if you try to use that in that community, it won't be effective. So that's where you need to be aware, like, okay, maybe I should code switch to be able to maximize this moment with whoever community I'm meeting with. To make it real simple to all the listeners, like for people who, you know, have all different backgrounds, right? The way you talk to a baby or your dog is not the same way you're going to talk to, you know, a, a university like professor or executive yeah. or your friend, right? So we all kind of like switch, code switch, depending on who we're communicating to. But what's important when you are code switching is for you to be able to remain your authentic self. The way I talk to my dog, like, hey, little puppy, like, I, I really feel that. But the same way when I go talk to an executive and we're talking about business and how we can be able to partner to be able to make a difference for marginalized communities, I need to be able to communicate in that way as well. So just if when we're talking about our authentic selves and being true to you, Make sure that you remain true to yourself, but also be aware of the communities that you're engaging with so that you can maximize professional gains so that you can be the most successful you can be. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree more with that. Um, but that also brings up like a question about how do you, are you sure you're being your authentic self when doing that? Because I think that for me personally, when I was reading over your bio and things like that, and I saw code switching, I was like, Well, to me, code switching can sometimes be like a bad thing because, you know, we feel uncomfortable in some certain lights, you know, like you said, like the way I speak to my friends of color may not be the same way I speak to other people, you know what I mean? So how are we able to be comfortable in our own skin in that way and not feel like we have to code switch like that? That's such a great point. Sydney is really like, that's, I love the deep dive. She, you, you didn't just take the service answer. She was like, you know what? Let's get a little deeper there, right? So that's a, really good, that's a really good perspective. So like what we do in teaching these workshops, like the definition of like, or the description of the code switch workshop, it's uh, teaching students how to be able to code switch in an authentic way where they're able to maximize professional gains and minimize social stress. So that's what you're alluding to is like, 
Yes, there is the good side of it of maximizing professional gains, but how can you minimize the social stress in the, in the same way? Um, so that is a really multi-dimensional answer to be completely honest, because it's different depending on who you're talking to, right? Someone might be very comfortable being able to talk in these different environments, and then other people may not be as comfortable, but you know, whatever you end up doing in your code switching endeavors or how you're communicating with different people, it's important for you to just be self-aware. And if it's taking a toll on you and your mental health, then of course, don't do that in the interest of others. You know, you have to ensure that your mental health is, is taken care of. But the best solution obviously is that if the world could be able to be completely open and we could all, you know, just accept everyone for however they choose to communicate. But unfortunately that's not the case, right? You know, you can't go into a job like JP Morgan and wear a basketball jersey and, you know, whatever you do and try to get a job at one of the biggest, you know, uh, financial institutions on the planet, right? There's a certain protocol that is expected in an environment like that. So if you want to maximize professional gains, you're going to have to code switch in the world that we live in. But you have to be cognizant of the social stress that comes with it and make sure it's not taking a toll on you or it's affecting your mental health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's something that's affected me as well and being like, mom, I have to act this certain way when I'm in front of all these teachers, in front of all these people that are trying to put me in these like really professional situations. And then when I go over here to like this different group, it's kind of like, it's exhausting, honestly. It you is, know? it is. Uh, <laughs> so I'm glad that you're able to teach them like, you know, how they're able to do that in a healthy way. And, you know, mental health is something that is huge to me and I can talk hours and hours and on, but maybe we can save that for another episode. Um, but, you Art. know, <laughs> for sure. But, you know, bringing that out, I think it is really important in having those conversations of like, yes, you have to be able to switch in some type of way, but do it in a smarter kind of way. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. right, exactly. And you also mentioned uh, when I was reading your bio again that, you know, overcoming imposter syndrome at work. Again, I am probably your top person of like, oh, <laughs> wow, imposter syndrome. And so, you know, for those of you guys who might not know what that is, imposter syndrome is like when you don't feel like you deserve like everything that you've achieved or like you don't think that there's anything more that you could do. I feel that all the time. And, you know, it took a long way for me to get to where I am now and be able to say thank you instead of just like shying away and be like, oh, no, it wasn't. Yes, it was a big deal. You got to be proud of yourself. And so it took me a long time to break out of my shell and actually accept like, Sydney, you're doing the dang thing. And so um, how are you like teaching that in your classes or like, how are you carrying that uh, throughout your day? Yeah, so in our workshops, like what we want to do and what we are doing is leveraging the insights from the most powerful institutions on the planet. So like we said, from AT&T to Blackstone to Nielsen to EY to VH1 and you know, Cartoon Network, we have workshops where students from low-income and minority backgrounds who probably feel imposter syndrome the most we have these large companies where they can see other people of color or non-people of color, and they can give perspective because even when you're at the top of the food chain, you might be the biggest artist, the biggest executive, the biggest whatever in whatever industry, mm -hmm. you likely have felt imposter syndrome at one point in your life. So what we do is we leverage their skill sets and their knowledge and give those insights to the marginalized communities who need to hear it the most. So that's how we're actually doing something about imposter syndrome. Because, you know, especially if you're someone who's 
let's say, a, you know, a marginalized community like women have historically been, or people of color, or people from different countries. What if you're all of the above, right? People from low income backgrounds are all of the above. You may be feeling those things. And if you don't have people in your environment who can be able to teach you about how to navigate through that, it's going to be hard and you'll feel suppressed. But what we do is we leverage these powerful companies to say, hey, give us the juice. Give us the knowledge. How are you able to do it? How are you able to navigate it so that you can be able to help students be able to get through it even easier than you do? Wow. Again, that is really powerful that what you're doing with your time and space and these workshops, like showing them like, these are the hardships that you're going to go to like imposter syndrome and, you know, things like failure, imposter syndrome, or like feeling some type of way about where you are in your life comes inevitably. And so being able to teach them and be like, hey, like, this is how you navigate it and this is how you work around it. I think is really amazing and how you're doing that. And, you know, cause people get all the way there and then all that stuff happens and then they break under pressure because they weren't taught how to manage it or like they haven't experienced it before. So I really appreciate you taking the time to teach them how to work through that. And, and Sydney, I want to, uh, last point on what you were saying about that specifically is, you know, and that's something that we're trying to really, make prominent in education, especially in a developmental age for high school students, is realizing that for you to become a successful professional, it's not just having a good GPA or being able to study the academic aspect of it. It's also the social aspect of being successful, right? For you to be successful is not just who has the best grades. How are you able to navigate your feelings and emotions um, socially for you to be able to be successful as well? So that's what we're helping schools to do is be able to educate students about that as well. Definitely. And I couldn't agree more, you know, because you could be the president of every honor society ever, the president of every club and things like that. But if you don't know how to hold like a simple conversation about like, you know, inequity or something like that, or even like a simpler topic than that, you know, people are going to look at you and be like, you got to be able to connect, you know? So right, you know, right. me, I used to be extremely timid when I was younger. And again, my mom had to bring me out of that. And, you know, I had to break out of my shell and be like, okay, if no one's going to ask the uncomfortable questions, I'm going to. If no one is going to try to create that change, I'm going to. So that's a, that comes from myself, though. And so I wanted to use this platform to share that as well. Like, if you don't see it going on, be be the one. Mm. Be the one to create, to create that. And, you know, again, I think your organization is doing that beautifully. And, you know, molding these people into being like, our future and things like that. And, you know, I can't wait to see what comes up of it and, you know, be able to work with you and all things like that uh, in the diversity organization and see what you guys are doing there. But again, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And you're the, and both of us, we're aiming to be, and we are the representation that we need, that the next generation needs to see. Like you said, I think it was really powerful, like in both sections of this interview. In the first part, we were talking, of course, about all the stuff that I'm doing, but also your, yourself, you being not only like you said, a woman of color who's in this space and becoming that representation, but also the social component, not just your identity, but how you feel. You said at one point you were timid and now you're someone who's a lot more confident and you know, being able to communicate effectively. So mm-hmm. even people who may not be women of color, but they may feel timid at the moment, they're hearing this podcast and being like, wow, she's able to buy, interview all these different people and she's very confident. So you're the rep. We're both working at it. So mm-hmm. shout out to you again. It's always like a work in progress and things like that. And, you know, like public speaking is not my favorite thing to do. And like, I find no fear in it because of being on my podcast and, you know, being able to see myself out in front. Like, 
I find, I find it fun. You know, I find like joy in that. I'm so glad I was able to break out of that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. So what do you see, (laughs) what do you see in like today's society and like students that, what do you see in them that you think is holding themselves back from their full potential? There's a, there's a lot of things, you know, and we try to address them the best that we can. So things that are holding students back from reaching their full potential, I would say one is exposure, mm-hmm. especially for low-income and minority students. A lot of them think the only way you can be very successful, artists, you know, if you're an athlete, and nothing against those professions. I love art and I love athletics. You know, I like to play sports and I like to make music, but a lot of these students really think that that's the only way to being able to be financially successful. And it's because they're not properly exposed to those things. And the reason they're not properly exposed to those things is because of historical issues of the past. Like for example, segregation and policy, all these policies that have prevented people of color from being successful. For example, people don't realize how close um, these issues of the past are to today. Like for example, my literal father lived during segregation. Like my fa- not my grandfather, just my grandfather, my great, like my, my father lived during segregation. So if you expect for people from his generation to be able to really accumulate a lot of wealth, pass that down to their children, expose them to all of that's out there, it's just like not realistic, right? So if we mm-hmm. rewind back to what your question was and thinking about um, what is holding students back from reaching their full potential is they're not properly exposed, these low-income and minority students, because they just don't have the access to all these opportunities and the plethora of opportunities that are out there. So that's exactly what our organization is doing, is saying, okay, let's partner with the most powerful institutions on the planet and give students an opportunity to be able to now be exposed to all those careers. And now they make the choice whether they want to be successful or not, based on the knowledge that they have. But then it's more dimensional than that, because although they may not have the exposure, they may not have the resources, right? You may say, hey, I want to go do this, but do I have the money to be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another issue that we're also aiming to address uh, and a lot of other organizations from scholarships, different ways to be able to give students the, the resources to go to those colleges and so on and so forth. But those two things are, you know, primary things that I think are reasons, of course, self-doubt. There's a lot of other social Mm -hmm. components as to why students may not feel like they can reach their full potential. But our aim, if you come and work with the diversity organization, our aim is to help you socially and professionally be able to succeed and reach the highest heights that you possibly can. Definitely. And again, I agree, you know, people don't know that, you know, like, you don't have to be an NFL football player to make $2 million a year. You don't have to be a neurosurgeon to make $2 million a year. There's like so many other fields, like computer science. You can become another kind of scientist, you know, be a famous artist, but they don't know that. And, you know, and that's why people, uh, especially young boys of color, they're like, oh, I want to be a rapper. Or I want to be, you know, a basketball player because that's where we are. That's where we see ourselves. And when we look on TV, where do you see most of the Black men? on a football field and you know not that that's a bad thing but you know when they aren't exposed to other things they just leap towards that and then you know it all becomes like different and like where they go in their destinies and things like that so I'm glad that you're like teaching them again like how are they able to navigate like who they are and you're bringing in these huge organizations that are showing them like you can be um, a statistical analyst you can be an executive of this organization you know but they don't know that and so, you know, uh, when I was uh, a couple months ago in September, I went to this um, convention. It was like all about young women empowerment and things like that. It was a beautiful thing. And, you know, I'm looking around and like, 
this was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm from Maryland. So I'm not really used to like what's down there, you know, until I'm there. And so I'm like looking around and there's girls are like on their phones. They're like not paying attention. And I'm like, people would pay. I came for free, like besides buying my ticket and all that, you know, people would pay to be in the seats that they're in and they're not absorbing their information. And it kind of like, you know, hurt my heart. And it's like, we, people are giving you the opportunity to be great. And, you know, Mm -hmm you need to take advantage of it. And, you know, I wasn't going to stomp over there and be like, get off your phone, you know, but um, it was with the Steve and Marjorie Harvey organization with uh, girls who rule the world. And, you know, that was a huge thing for me. And, you know, being able to speak and talk to Miss Marjorie Harvey, like not many people can say that they've been able to do that. And I have. And so I carry that with myself every day. And, you know, I just hope that the people that are exposed are using those opportunities as well. So true, and you so were true. mentioning also uh, how like you're getting these organizations in there. So that makes me curious to know, how did you do that? How did you get these big organizations to buy into your mission and what uh, di- the diversity organization is trying to do? That's a great question. Um, so to be completely honest, blood, sweat and tears, man. It was so much because my mom, like I said, was elementary school teacher. My dad was a male character. So I had zero connections to global business or corporate America. Like it was just like, I had to figure it out. So one of the things that I suggest any entrepreneur for them to do, and it transformed my business significantly. And a lot of people who are entrepreneurs are not aware of this. I know I'm building a lot of suspense right now. (laughs) But, But it's called entrepreneurial incubators, entrepreneurial incubators. So for those who are listening who don't know what that is, an entrepreneurial incubator is basically like the concept of, it's based like different, there's different companies that run incubators and it's like a nine, 10 week or three month intensive program where you go into this incubator every single day and you have a bunch of professionals teach you about how to develop your specific business. So it's like basically like school for your business every single day. So NYU, when I was at NYU, they had their own entrepreneurial program. And of course it was exclusive and you had to get accepted into it and your business had to already have had some traction to be able to be approved to be a part of this. They give you funding, but basically what it is, is once you get approved, they give you funding. They say, look, quit your job, whatever you're doing right now on the side, we're gonna give you X amount of money to be able to focus on your business for three months. And then within this three months, we want to see astronomical growth for your business. So that's kind of what it was. And I did that. And the knowledge that I got from being in that environment, it's very high pressure though. To be honest with you, like there was a lot of days I wanted to fold. I was like, this is tough. These people are not being nice. You know, this is, you know, that's how I felt. But, you know, realistically it transformed my life for the better. I still talk to the people at the Entrepreneurial Incubator at NYU today and they really helped to mold me. But did they help me get connections to these big companies? No, they didn't but they helped me have the professional skill set to be able to have those conversations at the highest level. What I did to get in contact with those companies, I had a friend of mine, her name is Claire. Uh, We worked together and we literally Googled and found these different companies and the departments that we wanted to connect with. And we literally cold emailed them, said, hey, we wanna be able to connect with you to talk about X, Y, and Z. 
I started talking to those companies. I built those relationships over time, built our organization up. And now the, those people that I cold called are partners that I'm meeting with every single day, with the most powerful companies in the world. So um, you got to be able to sharpen your skills through things like entrepreneurial incubators that are out there. A lot of students of color don't know about that. But then also um, just feel free to cold email. I, all of our companies came from cold emails and recommendations. Like I didn't have an external marketing company help us. I didn't have some other resources that helped us get to this level. It was all blood, sweat, and tears. We did the, the phone calls ourselves and we took the, our, the development to be able to work with these incubators to become successful. And that's where we are today. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Again, like the way that you're able to take those opportunities and use what you have learned to help get you into, help you get into these doors, you know, I think is really impressive. And, you know, there's still, a, I've done a lot, but, you know, there's still a lot of growing that I can see in myself that I have to do if I want to do the same thing. You know, uh, I've been in partnership with Goldman and Sachs and, you know, I'm now currently working with Save a Girl, Save a World. But that took a lot of like, <laughs> that took like yeah. a lot of like self-confidence to be like this is my organization my organization I'm really proud of what it does this is how I want to work with you guys and you know I need to you know learn more about how like how to profit myself and how to do that and I was able to take some like they're called she CEO classes I'm like you know how to finance all of those and you know how to work my money and like how to make sure that my elevator speech is perfect and you know let people know what I'm doing and why it's important in our uh, world and things like that and so I think a lot of people should be exposed to that and I think the diversity organization and everything that you're doing is doing that wonderfully and I think there's a lot of people out there that will want to look into that as well and you know people will come up to me and they're like Cindy how do I get these people might like kid into what it is that you're doing or how do I get these scholarships I was able to have Rhea Watson on uh, a couple months ago mm. really inspirational she was talking about how you can literally go to like college and like seek a professional education and get out debt free but people don't know that so that leads back into the exposure thing about how these scholarships and everything are like that are out there, but no one is doing the work to get there. So, you know, it takes a lot of self-empowerment and it takes a lot of, you know, courage and things like that. And, you know, believing in yourself and knowing that you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm, we're right here. We're right here. We're in complete alignment. So I definitely agree. Thank you. And, you know, I could talk to you forever on this. I did have a couple more questions for you, but we are out of time and it, hurts my heart but thank you so much joshua for joining me uh, and before you leave how can my listeners reach and follow you yes well if you want to connect with our organization www.thediversity.org feel free to donate or if you want to connect with our companies and our workshops you can do all that on the website and if you want to connect with me joshua pierce i'm on all platforms joshua pierce and on instagram joshua pierce x youtube instagram Come connect with me. Thank you so much, Joshua. I enjoyed our conversation so much. We're definitely going to make this into a part two one day and bring you back on. I was so inspired by our talk and things like that. Um, But thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to my listeners. And this is Perfect Timing.